as we get going here. Lord, thank you for uh, the reminder of that song. What a great song. Uh, set our hope on Jesus. Uh, he, he set his affections on us far before we set our affections on him, Lord. And so we are so grateful for that reminder. Lord, we pray that that would be uh, our intention tonight, um, both as we teach and as we uh, rehearse our family uh, things that are going on with our church, that that would be our tent, to set our hope on Jesus. Uh, and teach us to do that more tonight, Lord. We thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 6 is found in that great Sermon on the Mount, uh, one of the greatest sermons ever preached by one of the greatest preachers, or the greatest preacher, we could easily say. Uh, we drop into the middle of this, and we find here, and let me just read the passage, verse 25 through the end of 6 here. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life, as what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on it. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worthy much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will I eat or what will I drink or what will I wear for clothing? For the Gentiles, the pagans, eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Well, I love this passage. It's such a comforting passage. It's just a great reminding passage, isn't it? And I trust that you will find comfort in it too. When you hear those words, does it comfort you? As the Lord uh, admonishes us not to worry, not to be full of anxiety. When you look at this first part of this, verse 25, it says, for this reason. Well, I, I really firmly believe that's probably pointing back to the end of verse 24. There he's telling us you can't serve two masters. He winds it up by saying you cannot serve God and wealth. Now, if you want anxiety in your life, try to do that. Try to have a God of money and a living God that you're supposed to worship. It's very difficult, and, and it's, a hard, it's hard even for Christians. Because you start to think about these, some of these things. There, there's challenges in this. Uh, we need money, don't we? We pay our bills, we pay our house payments, we, we pay our medical bills. We have, it takes money to live in this life. And yet the Bible's saying you can't serve both. And that's a battle, isn't it? There's a tension there with Christians as we learn to serve the Lord with what he's given us and not worship those things. I think it comes down to how you view what God's asked you to do. What's your job? Where's your mission field? Where has he sent you? 
If you're just serving to gain more money, if you have a job just simply to gain more money, gain more wealth, you're going to really struggle with this command here. But everyone is sent somewhere. Everyone is given a job to do, going to represent Lord Jesus Christ in a dark world. And when we start to think about that, the money is a different thing. The money is great. The Lord gives us that to to live on it. But now we look at how we create those funds, those wealth, very differently and why we're there to do that. What a joy that is to look at your job as a mission and a missionary to those areas. And then we can keep that priority of money, how we gain that and how we handle that in a right perspective. But if it becomes our drive just to have more and more, you will not serve God. That money will now become your God. And so here he challenges his hearers here that you can't serve both. But then he says, for this reason. So he wants us to understand, hey, look, I know there's wealth. I know there has to be income. I know bills have to be paid. Mouths have to be fed. Bodies have to be clothed. I understand that. For this reason, now let me remind you who I am and how I can help you with this. And so beautiful is the comfort that comes from it. As I thought about this, I thought about five different things. I'll just quickly go through as I thought through this passage. First, that it dawns on me as I read this is the scriptures have the answers. The worries of life, the daily needs. We have daily needs. And then there's more than just daily needs. I, I think there's a fleshly thoughts of how we handle that. How do I get funds? How do I live this life? Um, the challenges of relationships and, and, and growing older and the issues of life and raising children and so forth. All those things come in and they can invade our thought. When do you think about things the most deeply? Sometimes when you try to lay down at night. Your mind, it's hard to shut it off at night sometimes. Because we can be consumed with fleshly thoughts of the things that this passage says not to worry about. And so here's a great reminder, the scripture has the answers to this. And one way that he helps us is he gives us truth through the word of God to know how to live our life, to trust him, that he can do these things. Paul addresses some of those fleshly thoughts that we have. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, he says, though we walk in the flesh, and this is, that kind of made me jump to this text, though we walk in the flesh, so we walk daily in the flesh, right? We wake up, we need nourishment, we need liquids, uh, we need sleep, we need all those things. That's, that's life. Uh, though we walk in the flesh, now listen to what he says, we do not war according to the flesh. We don't fight with our flesh. <laughs> the world does. Uh, we can when we're sinners and when we don't act like Christians. But that's not the way we do war. We do war very differently. Verse 4, for the weapons of our welfare, warfare are not fleshly. So, so it's not something not of us in a sense, not of our flesh and blood. But then he says, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And so God gives us a divine way to wrestle with those fleshly issues that we have. Finances and health and relationships and all those things. He gives us a divine way to deal with that. Divine word of God. He gives us instructions on everything for life and godliness. 
He helps us with those things. He gives us the Spirit of God who indwells us, the very Spirit of God to help lead us through decision-making, giving us wisdom. James, if you, if you lack wisdom, ask for it. We have those things. And then, brothers and sisters, we can pray. We can step into the throne room of God at any moment. And so the Scriptures here give us the answers and how to destroy those speculations and lofty things that are raised up against the knowledge of God. You ever have things raised up against the knowledge of God? Something comes up against you. You go, oh, no, 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 that's not God. Oh, Lord. Many times I said, no, Lord, that's not of you. Lord, help me replace that thinking with the things of you. See, he helps us do those things. And we are taking every thought captive in the obedience of Christ. Paul later says in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. We, we struggle with anxiety, don't we? But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to the God who makes flowers so beautiful that Solomon can't be dressed like them. Isn't that a great reminder? Isn't that comfort? That God can dress a flower. What am I worried about? He dresses those things that are just here today and gone tomorrow because God, the God of peace, surpasses all that comprehension. He'll guard your heart. He'll guard your mind in Christ Jesus. And then you'll be able to think on the things that are true and pure and right. Right? Because here, you want to serve mammon? You want to serve wealth? Man, your mind is going to get away from you so quickly. He's reminding us that we need to serve God and he's going to take care of those little details. David said, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in the Lord. When I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in the Lord. What a great reminder. Psalms chapter 62, the psalmist said in verse 8, Trust in the Lord at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. What a great reminder. Two, expand your view of God. Expand your view of God. I think as we wrestle with what we serve, whether we're serving God or serving wealth, if we serve wealth, our view of God diminishes. Now, look, it does, please understand. God blesses some, others, he gives what they need. I mean, he gives us what we need, right? Let's, let's be careful and understand. But if we serve wealth like we would serve God, your view of God would diminish. When you serve God, your view of God should grow. And that's, that's the thought here. Expand your view of God. And when I read this passage that he challenges our Lord Jesus probably on some slanted hillside along the Sea of Galilee speaking to hundreds and hundreds of people who are living uh, very rural lives very different than what we live today Um, no refrigeration no electricity no those things everything has to be got that day so you can eat it in a sense he's reminding them why are you so worried about this and it's just a good reminder our God is a great and big God. He created everything for us. And so there's comfort here in Matthew 6 to enlarge your view of God. As I thought about this today, I thought, Lord, there's times where my view of you is lower in certain areas and higher in other areas. When you meet my needs, oh God, you're very high and lofty. When you don't meet them according to the way I want you to meet them, my view goes down. That's really honest, isn't it? So how do we expand our view of God? Well, we believe him. He tells us, look at the birds of the air. 
They're not doing what the first century people would have been doing, sowing, reaping, and gathering in their barns for the winter. But the heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And the value that he puts on image bearers in this text is just astounding, isn't it? And it's not saying that the birds are not important to God. God made them. He knows that when a sparrow falls, he knows about it, the Bible tells us. But it tells us what image bearers are in relationship to God, how much he cares for us, how much he loves us and, and, and watches over us. The word worry here is used over and over, so there's a problem, right? <laughs> we tend to be worriers, don't we, in this, in this fallen life we live in. We worry about all kinds of things. And that worry can turn into a false view of God. Because then we don't believe he can do what he says he does. I think the way to study the Bible, I, I jotted this down in my notes today. See if this makes sense. Study to behold the glory of God and the benefits will restore your soul. Let me say that again. Study to behold the glory of God and the benefits will restore your soul. I think we, we sometimes, and all of us will do this at times, we come to the scriptures to study for ourselves, in a sense, too much. Oh, what's the Bible have for me? I, gotta have, I just got to have that nugget to get through today. Or, or, or we're looking for some answer to something through them when probably at first when we come to this, we should see the greatness of God. When we see his greatness, I think we're, our eyes and our hearts are more open to see his provision. Years ago, I learned to begin to study the Bible to see the greatness of God first and my need second. He is glorious and great. Let that expand your, your view of him as you study, whether you're in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the life of Christ, wherever you are, study to see the glory and person of God, the glory and person of Christ. It gives you such great comfort. I was looking at our doctoral statement today, and we wrote this, we believe and teach that God has decreed for his own glory all things that come to pass knowing infinitely all things from beginning to end. He continually upholds, directs, and governs all creatures and all events. That's well said. That's who he is. He's a God that holds all things together. And so when we study to do that, we find comfort. Our view of him goes up, and then when trials and temptations and struggles come, we can Trust him, oh, the depths and the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. Third, guard the temple of God. I think it's important. He's trying to teach us here that the body is important to him. He will clothe it. He will take care of it. But our response is to guard it. And if God is so clearly concerned about the details of our life, shouldn't we be concerned of what he abides in? And so we begin to think about the body and the body belongs to the Lord now. It's his temple. He resides within us. He's made us to become his temple. We were bought with that price, 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, and the body belongs to him. And so we trust him with all of these things that we need that he'll give us, but we reserve our life for him. This is now his temple. So we don't share that with things that he would not be at home with. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says, what, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? I love this next one. For what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? 
there's a reminder here that we, we have a temple of God, and this is where he houses himself in his spirit. And so we take care of that. Gather forth, gather with the local church. I think this is where we see and feel comfort. We gather together. We hear the word of God preached. We put ourselves under discipleship. We worship and sing together. I was reading Acts chapter 20 um, this week. Um, and there's so many churches in Acts that we don't have epistles written to them. One of them is Troas. Troas is where Paul was preaching quite long. And remember the young man fell asleep and fell out of the window? Well, they already had meal. They preached all that evening. That was about midnight. He fell asleep and fell out of the window. They healed him, got back up, preached the rest of the night, and then had another meal, then Paul left. I mean, it's just like a full-blown you know, Bible conference going on. They gathered, and, and when you go through the Bible, and especially the book of Acts, they're gathering all the time. There's such unity there, and God loves it when people get together, his children. And so gather, and when we gather, we're reminded that we, we are different. We are not like, verse 32, like the Gentiles who eagerly are seeking all these things, trying to gain this wealth because the only heaven they're going to have is here on earth. We're not like that. And when we gather together, it helps us remind us that our Heavenly Father, verse 32, knows what you need. And we share those prayer requests with one another. We pray every day, it seems like some prayer request comes into one of us pastors and we share it with each other and, and we pray for the flock. We pray for each other. We share our own needs. Consider how to stimulate, Hebrews 10 says, one another. When you gather for love and good deeds, don't forsake yourself for the assembly of one another. Finally, humility beats anxiety. Humility beats anxiety. The Bible says here in verse 31, but we are to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. That, those, those words, those pronouns are so important there. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You're going to have to humble yourself to do that. We if we pursue our own kingdoms, if we pursue our own righteousness, and, oh, God, I've done this, you know, like the like rich young ruler or somebody else that comes, I've given to the poor, I've done all these things. Uh, you'll struggle with great anxiety. We give those things to the Lord because we seek his kingdom and his righteousness. There's, a, there's an overwhelming sense of humility in Matthew chapter 6, where the one who puts their trust in the Lord leans to, learns to rely on, on even the smallest details for what the Lord's going to give us. That helps us start seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. I remember when the boys were little, we used to learn to pray with them. Lord, we want to thank you that you gave us this food. I remember one of the boys asked me, Dad, didn't you guys go out and buy that? <laughs> And, of course, you have to help them understand that. But learning to teach them, Lord, we're thankful you gave us these things. And, and you are a, a God who is kind and, and giving us what we need. So we are seeking you. We're seeking your kingdom. We're seeking your righteousness. We have nothing to offer. There's none righteous. No, not one. And so there's a humbling nature to trusting in the Lord. It's bending the knee to him. Oh, Lord, I'm pursuing things that make make you look smaller in times. I don't trust you as much. Forgive me, Lord. Therefore, humble yourself, Peter said, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in proper time, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you.
Let's seek his kingdom. Let's seek his righteousness. Father, thank you for a few minutes in the word before we have a family meeting and updated on what's going on here at Riverbend, Lord. But we do want to take time to acknowledge you, Lord. We, we do want to be humble before you. You are a great God. We have nothing without you. It is certainly your kingdom and your righteousness that we are seeking. Man's kingdoms will all fade away. There will be none standing before you. So, Lord, help us to focus on those things. Help us to have a very high view of you, to see you and search you in the scriptures and know you better. Put our trust in you daily, Lord. Live a life based on truth, purity of our Lord and Savior. Lord, thank you for this time. I do pray for this upcoming meeting. Lord, Lord give us, a, give us a, a, a spirit of unity. Thankful for what you're doing, Lord. Trusting and praying for where we need help. Cause us to be a church dependent upon you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.